I feel like the very first thing we should say in this is that. It's exactly. <laughs> what, specifically that this podcast comes out on 2-22-22 and also welcome to the retro breakdown? Yes, yeah, it's, it's very important because we have a real treat for you this week with one of the best our action games ever released in arcades, Super Nintendo, Genesis, NES, and probably the Master System in Brazil. <laughs> Almost always the Master System in Brazil, <laughs> just as a general rule. <laughs> My God, I actually, well, I guess we'll talk about it later. I mean, you can, you can do some foreshadowing. The, Nothing. This, this is I started recording at the moment that you said that should be the first thing we say when we start recording. <laughs> so it actually worked out kind of perfectly. So dude, you just go. You just go. Oh no, I don't I don't I don't have that much to say about Joe and Mac as probably no one really has that much to say about Joe and Mac. Cave there Ninja. is a there is a very very good chance that it takes us longer to talk about Joe and Mac than it took either one of us to play it. I I think I mean yeah. It's going to be close. C Caveman Ninja. Okay. Please explain. I've looked all over, like, the promotional materials and box art and stuff, and yeah. I can't see the words Caveman Ninja. You've been calling it Caveman Ninja, and it's not that I doubt you. I just want to know where it comes from. Oh, it's, it's literally called Caveman, Caveman Ninja. Ninja applied to this game anywhere. No, it's, it's actually called Caveman Ninja. It's so the... I, maybe it's Japan. I don't know, but it's called Caveman Ninja: Colon Joe and Mac. I it, I've only ever seen Joe and Mac. You, uh, well, hold on a moment. Like I I'm looking at the box art and it just says Joe and Mac. Yeah, in English. Oh wait, no, there it is. And I believe it even in the English one it says it somewhere because it, like on the on the Nintendo online service it even titles it Caveman Ninja in parentheses. I want to say. Yeah, I it's on the PAL version too. I don't know why it's called Caveman Ninja. There's nothing ninja-like about Joe and Mac whatsoever. They are 100% caveman and 0% ninja. They are. I mean, I suppose they're... I mean, if they're ninja, then literally every single side-scrolling platformer ever <laughs> released is also a ninja. <laughs> I, I like, don't... Master Higgins of Adventure Island fame... Is the no, no. most ninja that has ever ninjaed. Absolutely everybody that's ever been a side-scrolling platformer is a ninja if these two people are ninjas. Like All Ronald right, McDonald, well, cool spot. It doesn't matter. Yep. MC Kids. License games. You know what? I, 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 I can get behind it. Bark. Yeah. The dogs I, agree. Uh, that was... So my chair squeaked and it probably picked up. Previously, this has been heard as like, hey, is your fire alarm going off? And the answer is no. The answer is uh, like the arms on my chair like shift a little bit and they squeak sometimes when they do. So sometimes I just shift a bit in my chair and my elbow bumps the arm of my chair and it squeaks. And that's what it sounds like. I try to keep it to a minimum, but apologies if you were bothered by squeaks. Yeah, my, my chair has been squeaking pretty much since we started this podcast because I'm too cheap to replace my chair. My, my chair is so broken that when I'm not sitting in it, it leans forward. <laughs> oh, that's real bad. But when I sit in it, my feet are on the ground and it levels out just fine. <laughs> yeah, that's fine for now. My chair is really good and is still under warranty. It just, you know. Just spray some WD-40 on that thing. I mean, if I, if I had any... 
that would probably be the fix and it would be fine but i don't know i guess if you if you don't own it already it's probably impossible to purchase is it <laughs> no is it has there been like a run on it like toilet paper where you can't find it no i'm 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 just being dumb i'm it's probably in every store everywhere all the time i don't think it's possible for them to run out of wd40 <laughs> because it just seems like something that's all it's like it's like it's duct tape or something right like it's just everywhere all the time yes yeah, it's, it's like duct tape right like it's just always there if you need it it's going to be there for you in fact i feel like you probably have a can and don't realize that that was gifted to you or that you bought 25 years ago that's just carried with you from place to place because most people don't need that much wd-40 they need like like a teardropper size amount of wd-40 to get through their entire life yeah but they only sell it in you know big spray cans yes realistically I think that's probably the case for most people. I (laughs) am relatively more assured than most that I don't have it. (laughs) You have moved recently. That's true. I've moved recently. And also, like, I have a really, like, I have a better inventory of, like, what exists in my home than I think most people do. Because Jesse and I got rid of, like, almost everything we owned when we moved to Korea. Except for the important bits, like the games. Except for the video games, basically. Actually, it's and, true like, when some you guys plates and stuff to come back to, but like when... we got rid of like a lot of pots and pans and houseware stuff, and like we <laughs> never really had a garage or a place that you would keep like WD forty or like tools or whatever. So a lot of that stuff is just like stuff that we've bought since we've been back, and I kind of just know where all of that stuff is. And I know that at no point in the last five years have we purchased WD-40. And so, therefore, <laughs> I know we don't have it. That, that, does, give, that does, does give more evidence to my point that <laughs> you don't need it that often. No. Um, There's a couple of things in the house that we could spray a little bit of it on and would probably be a little bit less squeaky. But, like, it's fine. <laughs> like, in fact, this chair is expensive. And I would actually be kind of, like, nervous about just haphazardly spraying some industrial lubricant on it. <laughs> what do you think is going to happen? Like, it's just going to become so lubricated? <laughs> no, like, I'd be worried about, like, I'd be worried about, like, hitting the fabric with it and staining it. Oh, 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 yeah. I, I like that kind of stuff? I have no idea how you're supposed to do anything when it comes to stuff that men should know. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I... <laughs> Honestly, when it when it's come to like over time, when it's come to like like home improvement and repair stuff, like Jesse does most of it. <laughs> and we don't do that much of it in general, like at all. Yeah. But the stuff that we do actually bark, the stuff that we do actually take care of is actually mostly like she mostly just does it. Hey, you know what? That works. It's yeah. so I w- one person listening to this um Matt will be laughing because we we've gone camping a few times and it's like, Hey Tom, set this tent up. And I'm like, Hmm, you might want to set the tent up, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, oh, okay. You can, you can set the fire. Yeah, sure. I don't believe I, I, I have ever set up a tent, but also <laughs> I hate camping. So <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of camp. This was, this was because we were driving um, across the country and it was just kind of like a fun thing to do where it wasn't, you know, it was it was staying in some cool campsites and stuff and yeah it was i enjoyed that but i'm not the kind of person i don't own any camping stuff so i can't like right, right, go right. camping um but i don't i don't mind it in 
let me let me rephrase that. The last time I did this was ten years ago with him, and I, if I never camped again, I'd be fine. But if it was like, hey, do you want to do this thing? I, I would think about it if it was like a cool location or a reason to do it. But otherwise, I'm I'm with you. I'm not a big camping guy. To me, like, okay, so like ninety nine percent of the things that I want to do for fun involve being at home with electricity and electronics. Even the things that aren't at home probably require electricity. They probably do. So it's like <laughs> camping is like, won't it be fun to remove yourself from all of the things that give you joy for like an entire weekend? No, yeah. not particularly. So when I was um, younger, we would go, my mom and my sister and my stepdad, and actually usually Matt, we would go camping at... Uh, a place it's called silver lake because my stepdad had dune like a dune buggy and stuff mm. and we, we were intense but we, we still had a tv and we and i was like yeah i want to play nintendo 64 what am i gonna do all day <laughs> so so we were in a tent with like you know uh one of those thick orange cables in like running from a plug outside that then we had a tv on top of a crate in case you know water or something got inside sure, i don't yeah. know and a 64 and we played a whole bunch of the game i remember playing the most there was god one of the cruisins not usa it might have been cruising world cruising world. exotica uh, no i want to say it was world i had usa but i feel like what we oh no it wasn't either of those i mean we did play those but the one i'm thinking of is not that there was one that was like god it was like an extreme version of cruising us i cannot think of what it was called but it was all about like doing san francisco rush it might have been yeah i think it was san francisco rush I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what i'm thinking right now where there was one mode that was like a sandbox mode i think where you would just drive around and launch off like ramps and stuff i bet you would be really stupid now but man at the time that was so oh cool. yeah yeah like like most like realistically most of the stuff that we thought was super cool when we yeah, were teenage, teenagers rush. on like the n64 is really stupid now but well, most of the things that just were enjoyable about, or in in, in that way, like right? because it's your first time doing, it's like it's like playing Grand Theft Auto three for eight hours straight and not actually doing anything other than stealing yeah. a car, finding something to jump the car off of, it dying, and then doing it again for eight yeah, hours no, and being like, this is unbelievably like fun. There was and, a and, there was a destruction derby game that I used to do that kind of stuff with. Um, oh sure. Uh, I remember distinctly Road Rash sixty four. Okay is a is a very very broken game but it is broken in kind of an amazing way oh why is that um because it is so it's a road rash game where the intent is to just you know drive down the uh yeah the, the intent is just to drive down the road and beat up the other guys on the road and and you know win your race or whatever mm -hmm. but they don't there's no like out of bounds markers. <laughs> like there's nothing what? in the game that keeps you on the road. So there are some, there are some like maps where the, the road is kind of like this big, like hard right bank thing. Like a think like the number seven. Sure. Right? Yes. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you can drive down the road down that whole thing or you can just off road it and go straight to the you can just off road and like not do the race and just drive in this sort of empty nothing, this empty nothing field 
at like half speed and just beeline it straight for the finish line and just go. <laughs> and like, because the physics are so bonkers, sometimes you get launched way off the path and it's like, it's literally faster to just keep driving in that direction to try to like, just find where the road happens again. Than to like curve your way back because you just got launched so far away from anything. Um, that sounds fantastic. It's wildly stupid. I mean, I think so. The next time they make, remember when we were talking about the um, Matrix, in like how they were, they had that like demo for the PS5 and yes, Xbox yeah, that was a couple weeks ago, yeah, Excess or whatever it's called. Um, and the uh. If, if the next Grand Theft Auto or game like that has that kind of destructible environment where you can blow up a road or a building and watch mm-hmm. stuff happen, blah, 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 then I imagine I will have that same sense of joy for hours and hours and hours doing really dumb stuff because it's a whole new sandbox to play in. But until that happens, looking back on it, it's like, man, that was that was weird and stupid. But I, it makes perfect sense, right? Like it's, Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, absolutely. Like I understand it completely. And... uh I hope that happens because I would love that. I would love to be mesmerized I, once again by. I think there's something. I think there's something really special in that era of gaming, where mm-hmm. like you are used to such an incredibly directed and linear experience, where you're basically on this 2D plane and you go left to right, and that's mm-hmm. what most games are. And to go from that into that very first era of like, of feeling like you are just allowed to go anywhere. I can do like, what? I like I have never been and even now am not particularly big as you know on the open world game thing. Yeah, no. But there is something magical about that particular era of like the first time that you get into a game and it's like, "Oh yeah, you want to go over there? You can just go over there. You can just go in a direction." And have the freedom to just, like, mess around on stuff, and that's fine. Yeah. Like, that is, that's a really, that's a really special experience that, honestly, like, you, there's not really a, an equivalent to that right now. Because having a big open world where you can do whatever you want is kind of just expected now. I mean, it's, it's literally the next Sonic game. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's and the even next Kirby, Sonic game. right? It's the they're, last they're even, Zelda game. They're, yeah, they're even turning Kirby into that. Yeah, a bit. Kirby's doing a ver- like it is increasingly just a standard thing. Mario Odyssey is basically that. Mm-hmm. It's still a contained world, but we've talked before about how it's about how it encourages just going wherever you want and just doing whatever looks interesting. Yeah, I think I, I don't know. It might just be one of those things where, you know, you watch a movie or a TV show and everyone's like, oh, my God, it's amazing. And then you watch it and you're like, well, I suppose that's cool if you haven't watched this movie or this show or this idea or read this yeah, book, right? Yeah, yeah. So it might just be something that with time and age, those moments of excitement are, are replaced by other things only because you've experienced them before. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 the newness. It's the It's the idea of that being the first time that you were able to have that experience is what's special about it. Yeah, and, and that's that's why... It's easy for if if you read people that are older and whatever older means it doesn't really matter. There's always right. going to there's always a huge group of people that are super jaded about anything new because it's nowhere near as good as the olden days, right? Like it's Right, and it's because like it's not the first time that you were exposed to that. 
It's yeah. not the first time you had an experience of a game being like that. It's I, I've, I've talked about this a lot of times where I like, I think that is a large part of the reason why Final Fantasy VII has the reputation it does. Not that it's a bad game, but it's like for it to be like everyone's be all end all. I don't think it's a be all end all of games, but I do think that it holds a special place in a lot of people's hearts and minds because it was their very first exposure to a game being like that. And you don't forget that. So yeah, I'll, I'll touch on that in a minute. And to, to, to put it into perspective, what was making me laugh is I had looked at a, um, a video playthrough of John Mac. I did play through the game, but I was curious about, uh, different versions and stuff. Sure. And if you read through the comments, it's it's com it's gonna be with every game forever. But it's still it's still hilarious when you read one for freaking Joe and Mac, where it's like this game was the greatest game of all time. They don't make games like this anymore. And and, and when you see these comments, I, my first thought is, have have you played anything since Joe and Mac came out? Because there like, are plenty of games that have done Joe and Mac a lot better since then. Like it I don't is know the absolute most like. <laughs> boilerplate template game i think Aside, I, may have, I maybe have ever played especially because you and i both played it single player i will say the multiplayer is pretty neat because it's you know at the same time blah 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 sure uh, and with final fantasy 7 i think a lot of i think 7 i think it's beyond purely being people's first time only because it kind of did the whole hey look at we can put full motion video in a game hey we can sort of have a a cinematic story even if it's a little bit nonsensical yeah no that's what i'm saying that's the first time that most people saw that kind of production value in a game and mm. because they recognize no, that is the first time they had a truly cinematic video game experience it really it really makes an impact and stands out to people more than you know like yeah i, eight I or guess nine or ten which is like you know the other times that that happened Yes, absolutely. I think I think when you're the it's it's sort of like Mario sixty four gets to be in a lot of people's memories and minds mm -hmm. the the best of all time because it did it first, right? So I think right, doing something right. first is a is that's important. I I feel because literally the Banjo Kazooie creators played Mario sixty four and were like, "Holy sh! This is exactly what we need to make. Like this is the future of video games." Right. So right. 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 By virtue of being the first, like automatic, you, you get special. You have established the genre that is three D platformer. Yeah. This is the standard by which we will make all future 3D platformers. Right. So and that's, it still I guess, is, honestly, I think that a lot of the judgment seven gets now is just that a, it's fun to hate on it and b the, so, so if the, the, what's interesting to me is people that complain about seven for being bad, but then turn around and say they love, uh, I don't know, like eight or, or nine, like, or even six, because six is good. They're all really good, but they're all yeah. like they're all basically just except for eight. I suppose is really the only one that did try to do something unique with <laughs> game mechanics, even if it was a mess. But in terms they, of, I mean, they all follow the same basic rules. I mean, right? Because it's hard to get too far away from that in. It's hard to get too far away from that in any RPG. Because if you're if you're judging a game based on gameplay, then it's hard to differentiate them. If you're judging them based on graphics, that's where it's like fine. And story, sure, like there there's a lot of variance there across all four of those in terms of graphics to a degree. Once you get seven's kind of in a weird category since it was originally going to be a Nintendo sixty four game, and they didn't know what to do with these polygons and they right right. Uh, 
and then eight looks a lot better. And the nine kind of is the, I think it's the best mix of both where they have like the realistic characters, but not too realistic. Yeah. Like I think nine is a really pretty game. More like nine is the one where like Nomura didn't do the Tetsuya Nomura didn't do the, um, the character designs because they went for a more classic, like SNES era, um, character design style and it looks yeah. a little bit more a little bit more animated a little bit more cartoon yeah, it looks like four it looks more like four and five and six in yeah. terms of like the outfits you know there's not one person with a pant leg that's half the other length for f knows what reasons right <laughs> hey while we're talking this is actually a decent segue because i wanted to tell you about this and i don't Ooh. know if i talked to you about this or if you were on stream when i was talking about it but I read a fun interview with the director of Super Mario RPG the other day. Nope, I don't know this. And I I uh I don't remember what publication it was in, so I can't credit it. It might have been The Verge, but I'm not 100% sure. Cool. Um but um the director of Super Mario RPG whose name I will pull up in a moment. It's yeah, I don't know it. something or other. It's not a name that I'd heard before. Uh, Chihiro Fujioka. Okay. Um, who directed, um, directed Super Mario RPG, composed for a bunch of other, um, a bunch of other stuff, including Earthbound on home computer? I didn't know that. What? Maybe that's a different Earthbound, because it's from 1983. So probably that, something else. Oh, yeah, else. that's, that's got to be something else. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, uh, went on to do a bunch of the Mario and Luigi games. Oh, cool. Um, and they did an interview with him, and he said that he's basically, like, looking to retire from making video games, because obviously he was working on them since the early 80s and is about done, about, yeah. ready, to, about ready to hang it up, but said that he wants his... He, dearly wants for his last project to be a true sequel to super mario rpg if that whole oh man don't even i got goosebumps <laughs> they, he was like he was like i i really enjoyed working on the mario and luigi games but the like the original like legend of the seven stars was a was a really special experience and i'd really love to do a sequel to that man now, bring back it doesn't Smithy. mean that that's going to happen because no nope it's it's now happening because it's now canon. Like, literally, someone who worked on a game 25 years ago, 30 years ago, saying, like, yeah, I would like to do that again. Hey, yeah, but, you know, based on recent results, Square is very ready to dive into their old catalog of games because they don't know what they're doing anymore. They, like, <laughs> Live Alive is, is happening, so, like, everything's on the table at this point. I mean, okay, I don't think, I don't think we really talked about the weight of Chrono Cross being released ever again like that's super live alive too but there's something about chrono cross that's especially yeah. unique to me only because it was supposed to have chrono break and there was all of this yeah. became like vaporware and all this stuff about it and it was like yeah because it we don't seemed care. like it was going to be like it was a huge game on the snes and then it got a, a sort of indirect sequel yeah on the ps1 and it had some... was kind of like half of what it was supposed to be and didn't really carry the story forward like we and, thought and it they was didn't... going to. And then it just didn't do anything. Right, right. So so to me, that's that's Live Alive happening is like, a, hey, this is a game. We're kind of in this 2D or HD, 2D, 3D, ultimate, whatever. Right, right, right. Um, this, this phase. So this is a game that 
it's it's also pretty surprising. But there's something about Chrono Cross that seems more surprising only because why? Why at all? It's why specifically cross and not trigger. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they just had that Chrono Cross crossover thing with whatever mobile phone well, game. Right, which is which was clearly intended to like drum up hype for this re for this yes. remaster. Yep. Which is what everyone was anticipating. And also they had the musicians being like, Hey, yeah, we're working on Chrono Cross, and everyone's like, Oh, really? <laughs> so like the the leaks were out there and everyone kind of expected it, but it still is kind of special to see it being real. So that that's that that to me says, hey, maybe maybe there's a chance. Maybe there's a chance. Maybe that there's Nintendo, a chance. The thing we, is, we can... like, I if they did do it, I'm not sure that they would actually have Chihiro Fujioka do the. Oh, that's fair. Like, actually direct it, because like, I, the last thing that, well, I don't know. The last thing they, the last thing he did is, um, well, he worked on Mario and Luigi Bowser's Inside Story but only did the music hasn't actually directed a game since 2004. And that game was Hamtaro ham ham games. Of course, a classic in its own, right? So like, <laughs> honestly, his, his, uh, his, I, I'm looking at his sort of like his resume, his CV, yeah, basically his, his list of works. And he's only been director on like, a handful of things. I want to say it looks like five and mm. it is Mario RPG, two Hamtaro games, something I mean, called Koto battle, 10 guy, no Moribito, and another game called tomato adventure. I mean, of course, tomato adventure. So I, <laughs> what I don't is know. Tomato adventure? I don't know. It was, but me oh. that's, that's the not alpha the dream real meat of this. No, what's funny is that Tomato Adventure is Alpha Dream. Yes. Who made all of the My Own Luigi uh, games. Yeah, didn't they get shut down? I have no clue. Like, within the last couple of years? Alpha Dream declared bankruptcy, citing sluggish revenues. Yeah. Yeah. Because I remember Sorry. everyone being really sad about that, because they were like, yeah, the Mario and Luigi games are actually great. Oh, yeah, the Tokyo Olympics 2020 were the last. Yeah. Was the last thing they ever made. Wow, that's really sad, too, considering Rip. what happened with the Tokyo Olympics. But you know the Olympics are going on right now. Yeah, I did. I, the, there's Winter like, Olympics. So my my Leticia was, was telling me, like, hey, we're watching the Olympics. They're, oh, like, reruns? Like, no, the... the <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, it's, it's 2022. There should be Olympics happening. It's super weird because the Summer Olympics were delayed by a year, so they literally happened last summer. <laughs> so it doesn't feel like there should be more Olympics, like, eight months later, but they are. There, there's a funny photo of where the ski jump was, like in the middle of some factory, uh, some factory plants. I'll have to find you a picture. It's pretty funny. Yeah, I'm not. I haven't seen any of it because I, honestly, like, the more you read up of the stuff that happens around the Olympics, the harder it becomes to even like enjoy them because it's just like, oh, this is, this is corrupt as hell and everything kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah, but. I don't want to talk about that. What I want to talk about is the game that Super Mario RPG could have been. What, what, could have been? Yes. Huh, because right. one of the things that Chihiro Fujioka talks about in that interview, like them saying like, oh man, I want to, I want uh, like a, a Mario RPG sequel to be the last game I work on before I retire. 
is like, is a nice sentiment. However, that's not real. Like everyone, everyone who worked on a, a beloved game from 20, 30 years ago saying like, oh yeah, I'd love to do another game is just like saying, yeah, that I, you know, I like that people like the thing and I would like to make more money making another thing. Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> it's, there's no surprise or intrigue there. But maybe they, maybe they could did. do a Kickstarter for the third one and get $7 million or something. They did go into some detail about some early design ideas that they had for Mario RPG. And hearing about the game that Mario RPG could have been is freaking wild. So I don't have it in front of me, so I'm going to try to recite it from memory. Yeah, it's fine. But for starters... The original design of Mario RPG was intended to be a top-down perspective like the classic Final Fantasy games of the era. Really? So like a Final Fantasy 4 or 6, where it's just kind of like the grid-based, top-down, walking-around thing? Yeah. And you actually have like all the characters walking behind you in a, in a trail or whatever? Sure, yeah. Yeah, that was the original, that was the original design idea behind uh, Mario RPG. That's one I'm okay not having the, ex- like, that yeah. one. It's, like, the perspective that they went with, the whole, like, isometric, almost, Yeah, like, and, like, Mario, it's it's basically, like, an action game. Yeah, it's, it looks RPG. like a more action, or it really is a more action-oriented game. And that perspective kind of, like, allows that to happen. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, that's, it's interesting to think that it could have been a more, like. Kind of, gene- like, not generic, but sort of of the time rpg yeah 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 a more uh what's the word classic styled sure yeah i mean what makes to me what makes mario rpg and the reason i got excited when you said that is that it was nothing like other rpgs it it was you know it had the action aspect to it sure it was turn-based but it still had the oh press the button at the right time to do more damage or take less damage and there's like action outside of the battles it was actually like jumping around and, and doing some platforming in the stages and but nothing too tragic. Like it wasn't, it wasn't difficult. It was just kind of fun. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. And it was, it was the the Wii Paper Mario game, uh, that kind of sucked. If it had, it had was the platforming uh, part. Superstar is the 3DS one. Yeah. God, I don't. Talk oh, about Super Paper Star. Mario. Yeah, if Super Paper Mario had the RPG elements. That game would have been fantastic. Cause yeah, because really... that one actually goes for the. It takes the Paper Mario aesthetic and tries to just do a platforming stuff with it. Right. Yeah. So if if they had added, if they had kept the RPG things, I would have loved that game a lot. I still thought it was okay, but for the most part, it was yeah. So in addition, the original design of Mario, the original design ideas behind Mario RPG, going even further into generic RPG stylings of the time. Yeah was supposed to be a medieval-ish setting where Mario and company <laughs> are using, like, bows and swords. Oh, God, that sounds not good. Mario was supposed to ride a horse. That's great. Nope, that can stay. Mario riding a horse sounds hilarious, especially if the horse can jump now that Mario's riding it. Yeah, like, right? Mario, Mario I, like, gives it the jump power. Literally, they were going to make it just like... <laughs> Like Dragon Quest, but yeah, <laughs> Mario they really characters. just wanted it to be like, what if RPG but Mario? So, th- there's a part of me that thinks that would have been fun. 
It would have been fun. That's the see. That's the thing. Is like we love Mario RPG for what it is, and I don't think I would want to change it. Mm-mm. But but that would... idea is also interesting as a different thing. If yeah, we what could if have it's Mario things? I would be happy trying out this other like weird Mario medieval isekai. What if he also gets the epic and he goes into the future too? Okay. So like you get medieval Mario and also sci-fi Mario. I mean, we already have Mario. We have Spaceman Mario. It's canon. It's part of Super Mario and the uh, the six golden coins or whatever on Game Boy. We should play that for a podcast. That game. Have you, you've never played it, right? I've never played. I've never played either of the Mario Land games. Oh wow, Mario Land One is it's fun. It's weird. Like it's weird in a weird kind of way. Some parts of it. Um, and then Mario Land Two. I know it's I like, really like not very Mario ish. It's like you jump on the you jump on the Koopa Troopa and then it turns into a bomb. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I mean by weird for weird sake. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but it's it's enjoyable. I remember beating it for the first time on the playground at the at the school I went to with with Kyle, and it was very exciting because the, it was a Montessori school, so they didn't mind if we had we played games and stuff as long as it was during yeah. our free time. Sure. And the I, I remember that's beating. Cool. Mario Land there uh, outside. It was like very, very with my with my ice blue stick in your pocket. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> Game Boy Pocket. It was it was it was a very very fond memory for me. And then the second one I I liked more because it was maybe I'm misremembering, but I feel like it was a bit easier because you could save and stuff. So mm. like you know if you if you failed, you would just be able to start over at at a certain point of wherever you left off or died. I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that game. I the only reason I haven't suggested playing those games for the podcast is that i assume nintendo's going to be like hey hey for an extra ten dollars we're, we're gonna we're gonna add game boy originally i thought it would be free but after the 64 and genesis reveal i'm now thinking that they'll add those but it will cost money somewhat like eventually game boy, like game boy the full featured like nintendo online service will cost like a hundred dollars a month I bet a month. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, like, yeah they yeah. just add more to it. <laughs> well, I do like. I, I guess they're canceling next year, so you have a year and a yes. month to to or a year and a half a month. Yeah, to, Wii U uh, and 3DS eShop sales will be will be gone. Will which, be which I mean, that makes sense. It's going to happen eventually. I don't know if it makes sense, but it was inevitable in my mind. And they said it that was there was the, and it wouldn't be a big deal if all of the things that were available on at least the Wii U eShop were also available on the Switch eShop. You mean like old games and stuff? Yeah, like the classic games. Like there's just a there's just a different there's stuff that you can buy on the Wii U eShop that's 20, 30 years old that they just have not introduced to the Switch eShop for I mean that happened with reasons. the Wii Shop too. There like right like the Wii Shop, the Wii uh virtual console stuff had a consoles a, I think well, a couple consoles that are not even on the Wii U virtual shop. Yeah, they had because um, they had, they like, had the, TurboGrafx sixteen. They had tur- games. I was gonna say they had Splatterhouse on, on TurboGrafx and things. Yeah. Um, so that's just Nintendo. They'll they'll eventually. I think that Nintendo will ultimately do what you're talking about. Maybe it won't be a hundred dollars a month, but you know, it'll be like a hundred, two hundred dollars a year, maybe two hundred dollars a year, or something that's really high. But it's like their whole library of games forever because ultimately yeah. they'll realize, Oh wait, you make way more money from having people pay. That's why the game pass exists is because Microsoft was like, listen, you make more money over time having people right, subscribe right. to you forever than making a, a handful of people buy stuff. Cause sure. There'll be some people that wail it out where they buy absolutely everything, but the majority of people are going to buy a handful of things, spend some money and then that's it. 
Whereas if you get them into their into your pockets forever, it's it's like Amazon Prime method, right? It, it's yeah. it's eventually Recurrent Nintendo user spending is yeah the Nintendo is term. yes exactly. Nintendo is uh, they'll get there eventually, and well they're there now. They 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 jumped into it. <laughs> They're like, oh, this is great. Yeah, let's 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 go into this hard. And they're still making it generally a decent deal if you if you party up with people. But if you're solo, it's kind of it's pretty pricey yeah, overall. Yeah. But we've talked about that a bunch. But we yeah, have. the 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 idea of a, a new so the reason that what you're talking about with Paper Mario is exciting to me is not because it what it's what could have been, but because it's what could be in the sense that they wouldn't want to take away what made Mario RPG great, but they may want to add in all this weird stuff to make it kind of that, that what we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, sort of that unique fun experience of, oh man, now it's Mario RPG, but there's weird elements or some strange story time travel thing or who knows, right? Like, right, right. They, they can do a lot of, especially if Square's involved, you can have Sephiroth pulling things apart from different universes or different Sephiroths or whatever. Like I mean, there, there could be some really fun uh, antics that go on there. At this point, Nintendo has... Nintendo has gone enough off the deep end <laughs> that they have introduced to us with a smile on their face as if nothing is wrong at all, Kirby's mouthful mode, <laughs> which I am still see... not over. Did you see some of like the Valentine's Day cards that were not apparently released in Nintendo of America because they look super weird because <laughs> it's it's like I most definitely did not I have in fact tried to avoid as much imagery involving the new Kirby transformations as possible <laughs> I don't think it was anything new other than what you saw in the 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 trailer or whatever it was like where he eats a car and it's like why what has happened or the well the the light bulb is the one where his, where his mouth is just left as a gaping hole so yeah. strange <laughs> yeah it's but nintendo so nintendo's weird with what they allow their characters to do nowadays so i don't know if a mario rpg would actually be that exciting like right because they have so many limitations for what types of interactions they allow their yeah. main properties to have where you can't have a character necessarily be a bad guy that does something weird right uh maybe it would be okay with square because they can make the square guys be the bad guys and the nintendo people just do whatever nintendo sure. things they do yeah because uh, they have they they started to really go off the deep end with you know mario galaxy where literally the world they, they basically do a remade you know, infinite the Earth. entire planet yeah they do a comic book infinite earth universe reset <laughs> universe 616 mario and crew die oh it's okay <laughs> it's okay because they exist in the next universe rosalina's like no no i'm I, i'll i'll bring you all back don't worry guys it's fine <laughs> they, they... It's, it's fine there will be a new mario right. it'll be just as good as the old one <laughs> uh, so who knows i would whatever they do if that ever does come to fruition i will be first in line to to throw my money at it because I'm a sucker. Yeah, I mean, heck, I bought all the Paper Mario sticker stars and stuff, and I didn't even like them. Yeah, I think that ultimately, like, what we're looking at is someone who worked on games before who's like, I would like to do that again, but they have no actual direct affiliation with Nintendo or power to make it happen. It's mostly just even them anymore, talking about like. the development process. And yeah. then they're they're, you know... They're just sort of as an offhand comment saying like, sure, I'd love to make another one. 
Yeah, they're they're it's sort of like a little pipe dream, maybe a little legacy left, like something yeah. that if if they could have well, a choice. Well, specifically saying like I'm going to retire, but that's the game that I want to make before I retire. Yeah. yeah. So like, you know, there's there's definitely something to that, but ultimately, if it was like a bigger person saying it, there'd be way more weight behind it. Yes. You know, if it but was But it it's just I mean, it is the person who directed Super Mario RPG and like almost nothing else. Yeah, yeah, like like if like if Numaru Numaru was saying it or or Miyamoto was like this is what I'd like to see happen. Yeah. <laughs> Square you want to do it. Then 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 that could happen, right? Um, right. But this is just effectively some dude who worked on an RPG that came out 30 years ago. <laughs> That Maybe one's not. actually closer to 25. 25. It's actually let's, 25. Let's, let's take that one. It was the end of the, it was the, end of the Super Nintendo. It was like I actually remember, I, think. I remember buying it. You know, I always say I, I Final Fantasy VII in my head is my first RPG, but that's just not true. I, it was, it's the one that left a bigger impact right. on me. But our, Mar, Paper Mario, or excuse me, Mario RPG was the, I think the first one. I remember it being at a Toys R Us. I remember Toys R Us used to have the, you have to like take a, a piece of paper from a little booklet and that's mm -hmm. how and then the games would all be locked up and you take the paper to the front that's where you get your game yeah well, yeah yeah yeah. mario rpg sold so poorly or they just had so many of them towards the end of the the super nintendo there that they were just a basket filled or usually it'd be like the budget games you know for 20 yeah, bucks yeah. or something and Mar paper mario or uh, mario rpg was there and i was like oh mom can i get this it's it's a mario game that's neat yeah i, I remember that that's kind of like my first experience with Mario RPG. Um, I think I was at my dad's house and I came back and my um, my mom and my stepdad had rented Super Mario RPG and started playing it. Yeah. Themselves before I got there. Oh, the monsters. <laughs> and but they but they didn't understand how to play an RPG. Oh, OK. They didn't know like what the like, like how the whole how it all worked. So they basically handed it over to me and were like, here, you can like, hey, sort this out for us. <laughs> you try it out if you want. I think it sucks. <laughs> to be fair, like, they, they literally were like, I don't understand how to play it and I don't like it. RPGs, old RPGs, especially are a genre that you either like or don't. I don't think there's yes. middle ground. Yes, you, it's it's that's I mean, that's well, why they didn't do that. Walk well. into one not knowing what you're getting yourself into and just thinking like thinking of video games like hey, video games. You move the guy and you go to the spot and you you maybe shoot some things or maybe do some jumping. I think it's well, video games. That was that's that's that was pretty much my experience with an RPG and it just worked. It just clicked for me. Right. But if it doesn't click with you, yes. it's it's going to be a what is this garbage? Right, right, right. <laughs> Why do we go to some weird idol <laughs> animations where the characters bob up and down? What is happening? Not to not not to like pull the the big call out or anything, but I think that generally speaking, in that era, they were not ready for a game that required you to read and care about a story. No, I get that. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And I mean, it's the mid '90s, so that's not really what a lot of you know popular video games were doing. Oh, it's true. I mean, it's true. I I I didn't like reading books and stuff much but my mom saw how much reading was in rpg so she was happy to buy me a new rpg my my dad yeah. is kind of like rpg or video games aren't 
you know, they're not they're not good for you, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then then he was chill once he saw how much reading was in them. He thought the game like he actively thought RPGs were dumb. I was like, I don't know why you like this, but it's cool there's reading. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, thanks, Dad. <laughs> Mine was more on the level of like, you can play video games if you want, but stay away from those RPGs. The news program said the kids who play RPGs murder their parents in their sleep. Yeah, dude, obviously. I mean, to be, I mean, I mean, let's be real here. Most RPGs are about killing God. That is true. Thanks, Japan. <laughs> well, <laughs> thanks, Japan, and thanks the, the 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 religious zealots that went to Japan to yeah, spread Christianity. Thanks, Japan, and also like ancient Christian missionaries to Japan. Because <laughs> that's that's probably where a lot of that comes from. <laughs> it most certainly is. It is. It is very difficult to find a piece of Japanese media that does not instill a very or belie a very deep distrust in Western organized religion. And for very good historical precedent. It's it's fairly comical because when playing an it's always been like this and it's it's always been the joke but it's it's really funny when you play an old rpg and you and you meet a priest and it's like oh no this person's bad for sure yeah <laughs> this person's probably going to be the final boss except for dragon quest dragon quest does the whole no save it a church it's chill yeah 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 they they don't bring your they party don't... member back to life it'll be great yeah they don't deal with religion in that way yeah i never really thought about that much i wonder why i wonder if there's any ties to religion religion religiousness or with with the creators there or anything or if it was just like hey oh, this seems like it would fit i think it has more to do with like so the the churches in in dragon quest are not like they don't really deal with whatever the religion is but no. early jrpgs are very much steeped in an even earlier tabletop culture yes yeah so like in dl in D &D, i guess that's clerics the, and all that stuff yeah church, you get the priest to res your party or whatever. So that's just kind of a, that's just kind of a thing, you know, yeah, I would, I would like, like to... the, the, the genre staple. So that I think be... they're probably just doing the genre staple. That would be fun to, that would be a piece of like, if I could pick, um, oh gosh, what didn't, did he pass away? Uh, Gary no. got guy. No, 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 no. The, the, the dragon quest shoot. What is his name? Um, oh, I know it too, but I, Yuji, oh. I want to say Naka, but it's not, is it, you, I think it's Yuji Hori, Hori, I don't know, is that right? That sounds right. I should look it up. It's like we have the freaking internet in our hands. Oh, we're literally using the internet to talk to each other right now. You were on it. You were <laughs> yeah, on okay, computer. That's... Yeah, that's it. So I would, I would, it would be fun just to pick his brain about what would the reasoning behind it was, or if it had to do with um, inspiration from stuff like Ultima, or mm. uh, I, I mean, I don't know, right? Like, I have no, no clue what was, what the inspiration was for some of these games. I mean, I know that the, I know that like the influence is there at, at the very least. Like, you can, you can draw pretty much like one to one parallels between like early Dragon Quest stuff. And like early D and D, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Ultima would be based on a lot of like that those ideas and things. So that would that would make sense. That maybe that's just what it was. That that hey, this is cool stuff, and I'm just going to use this as my structure for my thing. Right. I mean, that's there's a reason why so many classic RP uh, classic JRPGs are also medieval. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. True. Like, it's not like because it's not their medieval mythos. It's no. not like they're set in like feudal Japan. No, no, they're not. They're yeah. all set in like knights and dragons and sword and shield. You know, yeah, some Europe like stuff, European medieval fantasy, mm-hmm. because yeah. that's what you know. That's what the sort of Tolkien esque world of D anD D is steeped in as well. Yeah, exactly. So like that all that all kind of like transitions in, which you know, like eight months later, or so is again what makes Fantasy Star really interesting because they yeah, are actually dude, doing that the game JRPG like... thing, but they they take a Genuinely, like let's go to space <laughs> yeah it's a genuinely different setting man i really liked fantasy star, star ocean too even though i never actually played oh, any yeah, of the star ocean. ocean games but i played star ocean wait i think it actually was star ocean too even though that's not the two you were referring to um yes star ocean also is what uh I... what's the what was it what's the, the second is it called second second something is it just the second i want to say second story yeah i think it's just second story yeah yeah, yeah. this is the one that i played I, I had, I don't know how I got a hold of a copy of it. I want to say my cousin had two. One, he bought a second one because he cracked his jewel case or something. I don't know. And so he gave me one. He gave me his cracked jewel case copy because he didn't care about it anymore. I don't know. And I had Man, it for a, a decent amount of time. The cracked jewel case is, that is such a era-specific thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's a very, very, like, late 90s thing. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, do you remember the early PlayStation cases? <laughs> the the books? No. Like, they're not literally books. They're just massive cases. Oh, the ones that are actually, like, they look like a VHS case? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can't think. They, they have a name, Somewhat. but I can't think of what they're called. Uh, but it was just, like, these. they're, like, big DVD-sized cases. They look goofy. I've seen them, but I don't have any. Or do I? Don't... I? Let, me, let me turn around real quick. If you have the Mortal... There's a Mortal Kombat game that's worth an absurd amount of money if you have that one. <laughs> I have uh, I have Kingsfield, and I have Battle Arena Toshinden. You have Battle Arena? I love that Well, I don't know if I love that game, but I, I have a, a memory of playing that at my buddy Brandon's house. And there was like an anime or something to go along with that, I want to say. Probably. Um, and I remember watching it in his in his van. Like I haven't played either of them, and both of them are just things that Jesse picked up at random on garage sales. But they are cool. in that like absurdly large, like thick DVD esque case. Yeah, yeah. It looks like a it looks like just like a mini like like a light novel, you know, yeah. where, where they're going to tell the slice of life of your yeah. Favorite it is Dragon actually like the size of a book, so <laughs> I, I get why you. Uh, I think you called them a bookcase. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, but bookcase sounds like I'm talking about a shelf also. But yeah, like, I get why you called it that, because it does actually, like, have that that sort of uh, that vibe to it. I, I remember vibe. them because I had a friend who, uh, he 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 had the PlayStation when it first came out, and I, we played Jumping Flash and XCOM, I think, and th- th- those are the cases that he had, because those were the, mm. the original, those are the original size. And so they're like, what are we doing? <laughs> Why don't we save a lot of money and make them half the size? Probably I think actually it probably less. had a lot to do with theft. And probably also like 
I'm going to guess it's... Because, the, like, the Nintendo Switch cases are way bigger than they need to be. But if yeah, but they you, were you just make the size smaller. of a little card, it would, they would be really easy to pocket. It's. I don't know what the... the I would... Hmm. Maybe like, I, I, for the A lot of packaging decisions have to like... do with making it, like, the, a proper size to, like, fit in your hand, but not be easy to, like like, grab a handful of and just slip into a pocket and leave a store. Sure, sure, but the 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 PlayStation, like the early PlayStation book size, like the big cases, I, I feel like they're just very similar to the size of cases that the like you know the Genesis, the Super Nintendo box. Yeah. This, technically, the Sega CD was that big too. Uh, roughly. Yeah, I think that's also true. I think it also has a lot to do with like we wanted to make a case that like this is just what size video game cases are supposed to be. So that's the size we made them. Yeah. Yeah, and so it could be a mix of theft. I still feel I I don't know. I always picture bottom line being the big uh somebody being like, How can we how can we save money? And they're like, Well, we can save several pennies per case if if we do this. And By using, it would, it would less, have been, using less plastic on them. Well and it would have been Sony who's a big company. They're not just making games. They're right. you know, they're 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 uh they also produce like a billion of those every month for C D cases at the time. Oh, that's you know what? That's probably what it is. They were probably like, why, why are we selling a CD in this case when we sell CDs in this case? I bet you it had more to do with something like that. Where I wouldn't be surprised if there was if there was a degree of that that had to do with, um, you know, we need to be able to differentiate between like music CDs and video games. So we how will the consumer the know? Shape. How will they know? <laughs> but then they just decided not to, and then PlayStation games are were exactly the same size as a CD case and completely indistinguishable. And and I don't think there is ever ever really an issue, except for I suppose if you put a place this is a PlayStation black disc into uh, a a DVD or like a CD player that's it'll just let you know that it's a PlayStation black disc. <laughs> yeah. Which somebody there's a there's a very creative remix of a Castlevania song where that's basically the that's repeated throughout the entire song. It's 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 really silly and fun. It's an old OC remix. Big surprise. You know, I'm looking at the shelf behind me, and I'm yeah. kind of thinking that like it kind of makes all the sense in the world for them to just use the little jewel case for for games, and they certainly <laughs> did for the for the PS1 era, and the Dreamcast games also have that case. Sure did, yeah. But then they actually went back to a larger case for the PS2, for the DVDs and stuff, yeah. And but that's their DVD size cases also. But DVDs as discs are the exact same size as Yeah, but CDs. for whatever when they made when they made DVDs when they replaced VHSs with DVDs, they used that size case. Right. And so maybe it was just the like they wanted it to be similar to other to like the VHS size or something. I don't know. Cuz then eventually they cut corners with that by making it so it's they put like the recycle symbol in the middle of it. And they use thinner plastic, so yeah. like the some cases are really thin, but they're still big. So I don't know what the. So what the I guess is. what I'm saying is like whatever, like there was a, there was a decision made in there somewhere, where they were like, yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna change to the, uh, we're gonna change to the the little CD size jewel case. And then they did that for one generation, and then when the next generation of games came out, they were like, we're going to stop doing that. The discs I, I, are the same size, but we want a bigger case. I bet you, I feel like 
it's because for whatever reason, DVDs went that route, whatever that reasoning is. And then since they already had those in production, it was probably cheaper since they weren't, they were the plastic cases, not, yeah. they were like a different kind of plastic. So they weren't as fragile as uh, CD and well, dual cases, right? They, they were way better. So I'm guessing that it was just more of a, hey, we're making millions of these every day. So let's just put PS2 games in them instead yeah. of continuing to use dual cases. Because nobody, I mean, like, like nobody likes dual and cases. Blu-rays and PS2 games and Xbox games and GameCube games. And yeah, really forever. like really leading up to even like right now, that size of case is with some alterations like... The PS4 games, uh, the PS4 cases are like a little bit shorter. Yeah, they're a little shorter. Yep. But generally, that size of case has become pretty much the industry standard for almost everything. Yeah, it is. is. They're just like thinner or shorter. Oh, oh, uh, I have to take this call. Sorry. Okay. You know what? <laughs> Let's take a break and talk about Joe and Mac after all right, all sponsors. Right. All right. So we're back, and before we talk about Joe and Mac, because I know there's so much to talk about there. Yes. Uh, let's cue the Paperboy music, because we didn't do that in the first half, and I didn't want to forget. This one's real easy. Swoggles wants to know, what's the worst underwater area in a video game? <laughs> the worst underwater area. Man. There's a, there's a vote here that is a very good one. Um, but and it, it's, it's probably the best overall choice. But it's not the... I don't want to say it because then you'll be like, oh, yeah, that one. Because it's kind of infamous. Mm. So I am going to go with the little, little remembered first person shooter underwater set underwater harpoon section of Devil May Cry. Yeah. Where you really... just for a couple missions... Stop playing Devil May Cry and start just shooting a harpoon gun underwater in first person. And Does it's it... not that it controls terribly. It's not great. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't the problem being is bad. not that it's like the worst controlling underwater thing I've ever felt. It's that you have to stop playing Devil May Cry for a little bit to do it. It's, it's yeah, well, more about what you're not getting to do during those stages. To, to be fair, to be fair, that logic is only slightly flawed because then you would miss out on the extremely silly and fun shoot 'em up that happens in Devil May Cry also. Yeah. <laughs> but would but I know, you, though? I, know I, think you could, I think you could have the... I think you could have the shoot 'em up section without having the underwater... The underwater segment section. is completely forgettable. I would actually like to change that question to be, what is a good underwater segment in any That is the game? actual second half of the question. Because, so my first thought went to Conqueror's Bad Fur Day, because I remember there being a really annoying part in some pipes that you have to swim through at some point. I remember finding mm -hmm. that stupid. Uh, but I, I can't, I'm trying to think if there's a any game where I'm like, awesome, I get to explore underwater, unless it's a game that's designed around it, like Subnautica or something. Right, right, um, right, right. I'm trying no. to think, like, the, the underwater physics in Outer Wilds, which I've played recently, are not bad. But it mostly it's mostly just because it controls, essentially, like, space. Yeah, sure, but that's, that's, like, that's like the underwater physics or underwater parts of Skyrim, where it doesn't really matter. It's exactly the same as walking on land. Yeah, or just underwater. and honestly, I think that's a not bad way to handle underwater physics in a game. Where it's oh, like, I'm not it's... complaining. I am definitely not complaining. So, I mean, I... like, when you're talking about the best underwater 
areas in a video game. I think that like generally ones that speaking, don't acknowledge like, the water. <laughs> yeah, whatever are the areas that where the underwater physics don't matter. That one. I suppose Echo the Dolphin. The parts where you're just exploring are fun because you're underwater. And it feels like you get to move fast underwater. Yeah. That's fine. The rest I of the mean, game kind of sucks. Like, as long as you have, you know, air. That's, that's what I mean. The rest of the game's not that fun. I, I would say... No. I don't know. I don't really have a worse one. They're just all kind of bleh. I'll go ahead and, and drop that the uh, the example that uh, that was dropped is uh, NES Ninja Turtles. Oh, the infamous, uh, the infamous like underwater coral swimming, electrified coral. Yeah, I mean that's section. that's that's a bad stage, but they would have like, I don't. It's hard for me to call that an underwater thing because I was actually refraining from thinking about like two D games on purpose because a lot of times, it, I guess the turtles one is weird because I feel like they would have just done something else that would have been equally up awful. <laughs> Right, like the I mean, water yeah. didn't actually. The actually controlling your turtle in the water is not bad. What sucks is the weird placement of the electrified coral stuff. Like actually swimming well, in the I, water I think is not that, a problem. Like, yes, that, but also like it all works in together because it's <laughs> sure, a bad it's, it's underwater becomes... section because your hitbox is too big. Yeah, right. Your hitbox is too big, and it's like it's in a weird. It's in a really weird configuration where it's kind of diagonal. Yes. And you kind of just have to manage that. And it's kind of like diagonal. And then, but like there's two different shapes that your body can be in that are like diagonal in different directions. And you have to manage that as you go through and you only have like a couple pixels of leeway. Man, the music and I got them. Now I'm thinking of the music and the music in that game is awesome. That is true. But so, okay. I agree that that part of the game is terrible. It's miserable. But it's hard for me to put the blame on the underwater part. It's not really the water's fault. Like, so for the in- instance, the swimming in Banjo-Kazooie is obnoxious because swimming in that is just sort of stupid. If you go too fast, you fly past whatever you want. If you go too slow, it's painfully slow, right? So it's the water's fault of how they're having you move in the water. The yeah. turtle's water segment is a fault of making a hitbox. Like, if the hitbox was different, that section wouldn't have been a problem. Right. Like if 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 you didn't if it was like possible to get through the coral without using Game Genie or being spending, you know, 20 years of your life dedicated to to beating the game, it really wouldn't be that miserable as far as hard side scrolling, you know, platforming sections type go. So it's hard for me to blame the water on that, specifically the water, if we're if we're talking about because, right, it's not it's not just a bad design choice, but I think that I like. Okay, so you and I, when it comes to questions like these, are all too pleased to uh, are all too pleased to jump in on the most like like pedantic yes. nuances of that question. And usually, I'm right there with you. But in this case, I'm like, underwater is underwater. Like it's like if the game is pretty fun and pretty good on the land stages and then you go in the water and it's bad immediately. That's a bad underwater stage. And that's what we're talking about. I I feel like that's, I feel like that's all I feel like that's all it needs to be. Yeah. I think that's a reasonable look way to look at it. It doesn't have to... to be the way that you look at it. I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just saying that for me, like it's 
pretty much as simple as like this is the game was good and then you went in the water and the water feels bad. Yeah. Yeah. But but <laughs> I agree with you but the water didn't feel bad. It was the coral that felt bad. The, the, <laughs> the it's coral true in the water. But the but the movement and like the actual act, like as you play in the stage the, swimming in the water wasn't painful. Like it wasn't actually the the water of the stage wasn't what was bad. I think that stage is bad regardless of what you actually have to do in it because with as with most underwater stages you lose the majority of the move set that the game was designed around that made it fun in the first place i kind of i guess i kind of don't mind so like in super mario world there's a few parts that are underwater and it's kind of fun to uh control mario in a different way like your like the your physics of falling is slower and things like so you can sure. turn things differently and it's kind of fun to see it play out because the controls are tight so I don't have a problem with that. I guess I have less of a problem with that because it's designed well, but I still don't like the underwater stages. Sure. Yeah, that's that's I think that's reasonable. I just I don't mind them as much in 2D games as I do in 3D games. I think the 3D underwater is infinitely worse than than most 2D underwater segments. I think that's I think that's valid as well because a lot of uh, a lot of what you do in a 3D game still mostly happens on two, like in two dimensions <laughs> in a sense, like you're mostly yeah. like you're running around in an open area. And then if you have to jump, you basically line yourself up. So you only have to worry about two dimensions, right? right? You're going forward and then you're going up and down mm -hmm. yeah. when you have to jump most of the time. That's how you're thinking about it. So like putting yourself in water makes you have to like, actively use all three of those dimensions in a way that is not always designed <laughs> yeah. very well. And honestly, I'll admit the first thing that I thought of was Banjo-Kazooie because swimming in that game wasn't very fun, but I don't <laughs> think it's the worst. It's definitely not the worst. No, I think, I think it's a, just a great example of th swimming in 3d space is not very good. Most of the time. Cause even Mario 64 sucks. Like it's not fun. Yeah, I don't like, I don't like the, the swimming and the, when you have to do something like as simple as picking up a coin when how many times have you swam around a coin and been like, oh, my God. Oh, and then you. Yeah. And then you kind of like turn yourself around and Mario's doing that little like that wavy doggy paddle thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think it's I'm I'm more than comfortable being on in, in the on the side of this where basically the water stage sucks in almost all games. Yeah. <laughs> If if it's one or the other, fine. Although, the we would miss out on the music in Donkey Kong Country, which would be That's sad. That's true. I don't like the underwater stages in that either, but they do have, like, Aquatic Ambience is, is a very good tune. Yeah, no, the water stages in those are completely forgettable. Um... Yeah, no, that's, that's true. I really do feel like there is, like... I feel like I played a game fairly recently where the underwater was actually like really good. I think, you know what? I think the underwater in Mega Man is kind of cool. Okay. Um, I don't, I don't, I haven't played Meg, which. So like bubble man stage. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bubble man stage in Mega Man two. Yes. The water right. basically just lets you jump higher and yeah. fall slower. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. And then the and then the stage is sort of designed around that. And there's too many spikes in it, so it still kind of sucks because you can just insta die everywhere. But <laughs> but like the actual controls of being underwater 
where it's just like, yeah, you can jump high because you're in water and you fall slower because you're in water, but you're not really swimming. You're really just, it's really just kind of moon gravity. True. Yeah. That's what I was going to say is the moon gravity in, in Mario land two is really fun. So like, I, I, I think that's a fun way to handle, to handle water where it's, it's more moon gravity than it is. Uh, Oh, what? Oh, I just realized what game has the actual worst water physics ever. Oh no. It's La Mulana. Okay. I haven't played it, so I don't know. So it's, it's impossible to explain, but momentum is extremely important in La Mulana. Yeah, I remember you talking so, about that. So if you are swimming in a particular direction and you want to say, I don't know, turn around and go the other way. <laughs> yeah, sure. It takes like a good five or six seconds to change directions. And you have to be like exactly perfectly on the surface of the water to jump out of it. Yeah. And you have to jump out in a particular direction at a particular angle. And it's it's you can't understand what it feels like to try to control that. Unless you've actually done it, but that's, that's the one that's like, oh yeah, no, that's, that is, there is a consistent logic to it that you can make work. It's just so not what you want it to be. Mm. So that's my, that's my vote for actual worst underwater. I say that's the worst underwater in three, in 2d and like the devil may cry stages are like my least favorite 3d underwater area. Cause it takes away from the. Cause yeah, the, cause the it's just, itself. it's such a, it's such a boilerplate part of an otherwise really fun game. And it's like, stop doing the fun thing and do this for a while. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's where I'll land on. Yeah, that. I'm done with that. I'm done with that. All right. Joe and Mac time. Thankfully, uh, during the break, I, I got some coffee to, 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 I'm, I'm trying to wake myself up as we get ready to talk about the most vanilla platformer we've, we've played in a long time. Maybe ever. Again, I, I have so to say, just not bad. We we it is important to note we didn't play it multiplayer, which is probably where this game yeah, shines. I, but, I you know, normally whatever. would kind of shrug aside the idea of like, well, no, but you got to play it co op. But in this case, it's like, I mean, that yeah, that probably does make it more fun. Um, I shared with you a link, real quick, and I just want you to tell me where Joe and Mac falls on this on this t- apparent best 100 Super Nintendo games, which is like a fifth of the library, but whatever. If it is above 50. <laughs> when you see the number, you're going to laugh. Uh, it's the sex number. <laughs> That's good. It's not above 50. No, it's not. It's at 69, right above Lemmings. It, uh, this list is stupid, so don't look into it much more than that. As As far as best games go or like best lists of games go when you have a hundred to work with for one console, it's not even like of a, of a, <laughs> of a generation or whatever. It's that's a lot of games to put into it. And yep. Joe and Mac falls on the list, 14 slots below Indiana Jones's greatest adventures. <laughs> I mean, when, when you have a hundred games, it becomes pointless after a while. Cause it's like, it yeah, kind of okay. does. It's that's like, a really? lot of games to work with. And it's just more, it's more spaces for your bias to work in. Well, cause it's, it's not like the hundred, even at least the hundred greatest of all time list was trying to factor in 80 or 40 years of, of games or whatever. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> like the hundred best <laughs> virtual boy games. 
man, I don't know, all of them, and then some, and like 60 or 70 to spare. <laughs> Honestly, I, I'm, I'm just sort of like idly scrolling through this. Yeah. And like, I don't have a ton of issue with the way this list is structured. I didn't like, actually look at the list. Most of the stuff just on laughed. the list looks like it deserves to be on the list. But like, <laughs> and they have Chrono Trigger at number one. So I'm I'm good with that. Yeah. The, the only reason I even looked at it is because it said that it was on some best 100 list. So I was like, oh, where does it fall? Then I, lol. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the 69 number. Yeah, it's the 69 number. <laughs> Woo! That seems fine. You know, so the, the arcade version of this game, and I want to say the Genesis, which is more of a direct port of the arcade, because it doesn't have the the little overworld map, which I'm sure we'll talk about in just a moment. And a few other things. The opening cutscene, remember how, like, like loser nerd Neanderthals are stealing women? No. Oh, you didn't watch the opening cutscene? I most certainly did not. Oh well, you you missed this. You missed the cool story about the the sweet dudes and their bros. Man, they're trying to they're dude bros, and they're just living life. And then the loser nerdy Neanderthals come in and steal their women. But in the Super Nintendo one, you just see them walk into a hut, and that's the end of it. In the arcade version and the Genesis, I want to say because it's a direct port. I'm not sure of this. They they pull women out by their hair. But oh, so it's this is just Chuck Rock again. Yeah, less it's less. It's somehow less offensive than Chuck Rock still. But yes, uh, someone at Daddy East US or whoever was translating it or whatever they were doing, maybe it's in Japan too, I don't know. Like, yeah, we don't want that because we don't want people to think that that's okay. <laughs> so they removed it from the Super Nintendo that's version. That's probably a good call. I'm okay with that. They also removed the image, like the uh, the uh, the ability to like charge up your attacks so they become bigger and like they're... You, they do more damage and women tied to poles at the end of every stage. Yeah. Whereas in this version, they just kind of like run in off the right side of the screen after you, you finish the stage, give you a little, give you a little peck on the cheek and then run off the left side of the screen. Yeah. And then that's the last you ever hear from them. Yeah. Until the end where, where they chase you around cause you save them. Oh yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. I, I, <sighs> I was wondering about that because it's like, oh, these are just like random women just coming in off screen to be like, hey, you're here now, smooch. And that's <laughs> yeah. really all that's really all the explanation you ever get about that. And it's a different person each time. Yeah, it's because except Neand that it's the, the same person with a different with a different color palette. The, yeah, the nerd Neanderthals stole stole your your hot babes. OK, that's that's very 90s. <laughs> But okay, I don't. We can just stop this pot. <laughs> like have, this game is, is so boring. Unique to talk about, about this game at all. Like, I, I, I think remember the only thing that you could say is actually like a, a unique or interesting feature about it whatsoever is the multiplayer, which we didn't play. Because I have fond memories of John Mac Two multiplayer. I have. I remember playing that one of I don't know who I played it with, but I remember playing it with some people. And I remember thinking the wheel weapon was neat because it was seemed like it was OP because it would like roll on the ground, stick to things, roll over it. And that that's that's what I remember about Joe and Mac. It turns out my my memory was better left as a memory. Now, we didn't play Joe and Mac 2, I realize, and I didn't play a multiplayer. I understand. I mean, Joe and Mac still, 2 is on this uh, is on the service, so we could follow up with that at some point if you wanted. Like, maybe it's better. Maybe, but maybe we should maybe we should play it together someday. 
or something like that because I don't want to play Joe and Mac alone ever again. Aunt, like, <laughs> here's the thing. After this experience, I don't know that I'm sick of I'm fighting the same dinosaur head. Enough in the I don't know that I'm interested enough in the in the the franchise, if you will, to play the second one or the incoming remaster for I'm some reason. I'm not playing the remaster. So Joan Mac the the licensing for Joan Mac must have been dirt cheap for them to be bothering to to make a remake. So it was do you it's remember there was that East, so yeah. Do, do you remember the they're they're remaking or re-releasing like on the hype of the NES mini and the SNES and the Genesis they were making the Intellivision again or something yes i've actually heard recently about that because it is very bankrupt yes yeah yeah so the guy that was i don't know he's that musician tommy uh, tallarico yeah that guy i think he was part of it but then they they got rid of him because they're like hey with the 10 million dollars he's making that can go towards prolonging the death of this thing (laughs) and i believe that that was supposed to have exclusive rights to joe and mac which would have been the, I mean, that would have been a game changer for me. I, I feel you. like Joe and Mac is a game that everyone like knows the name of for some reason, but no one actually cares about. J- Joe and Mac is the perfect example of a video game you rented and you were like, this is fun. And then you never thought about, well, you, you, you put it away and you'd never play it again, but you thought about it occasionally and you're like, oh yeah, that game. And that's, that's Joe and Mac is, is just as generic. I, I suppose it has a kind of a neat overworld map and you can get keys by destroying red eggs, but God forbid there's ever fire or enemies on screen. Cause then the red egg just gets like the dinosaur doesn't hatch. I don't know how you get rid of fire. I never figured it out and I didn't bother looking it up. Uh, but if you, if there's fire or enemies on the screen, you don't get the little pterodactyl out of the egg, which takes you to the bonus stage, which gets you the key. So you then can unlock a bonus stage or oh. get to a save point. Because there's like a map. That's why map. I just didn't get the bonus stages sometimes. Exactly. Yeah. See, I only... at, when I first started playing, I thought that the bonus stages and the keys and everything were going to be like for some sort of true ending or I had to like get enough of them to and they were like special stages and I was missing out on content. And then I was like, oh, it just gives you power ups. Yeah. Which you don't need because as long as the, the game's not terribly difficult. It's, it's really not. It's fairly excuse me fairly simple and straightforward um it's extremely straightforward we should like oh, we yeah. haven't really discussed fine, like fine, we started fine. out saying it's generic but haven't really discussed any of the actual features of the game um so take us into it it is a stage-based side-scrolling platformer where you jump over platforms and you have a weapon that you throw out in front of you and you hit things with it and you get to the end of the stage and that's the video game yeah what what, what are your weapons I don't remember. I only used the wheel. Uh, I know there's a boomerang and like a a sort of like, you know, caveman style, like, well, you have your club primitive stone hammer. (laughs) So you have a club. I think it's a bone. Is it a hammer? Oh, that makes sense. There is also a bone, but I think, I think there's both. Cause I think there's a fire, which does this really sad fire. Like <laughs> this little like ball of fire that has a sad arc and then lands and does like a little fiery thing where like yeah, it really yeah, spouts yeah. up from the ground for a second. But there's nothing other than the wheel. The wheel's so broken and <laughs> Yeah, like, the the wheel is like the only way like it does the most damage. It's actually like 
It actually is nice because it's kind of like a ground crawling projectile, but it also yeah. goes up walls, which it is goes, super cool. It's yeah, it's really nice. So a, I like a, I do actually like that, but I then just only use that. Yeah, that's all I used. I used fire for a couple bosses because there was a person or something that said your damage is like fire is a good source of damage or something. I don't know. Some person, something told me that at some point, I don't remember where I saw it or read it. And I was like, Oh, okay. Maybe fire is the best one. I was like, I don't know. It seems like wheels better. I'm just using wheel. Yeah. It's it, like, I definitely felt like wheel was the best one. I don't know that it actually is, but I got through the game in less than an hour on a first playthrough, So it was good enough. And I don't think I've ever played a game where you fight the same boss so many freaking times. Oh my God. <laughs> There is like no enemy variety and no boss variety. Except for the final boss where, okay, you you kill the, you kill the the biggest dinosaur, you walk inside its mouth and then you fight its heart, which is the devil. Oh yeah, that's true. I forgot that was a thing that happened because I've forgotten almost everything about this game. I actually played the entire thing on a toilet. You You played it like... It's like a week ago and you've already forgotten it. That is the story of Joe and Mac, ladies and gentlemen. It is it is a game you play a week ago and you forget all of it, except for the fact that you play as cavemen, you rescue women, you have a real a real weapon. And you, you don't even really boss. rescue women. They're like you never no, you, actually you, you, see you, them in captivity. They're kind be, of yeah, just but, always hanging out stage right. And yeah, then but as, when you get to the right spot, they just kind of run by and they're like, Mwah. I'm and okay with that on. because originally they were tied to stakes in the ground. So I mean, I that makes sense. So but I'm, like, I'm okay it's with not them like just you being untie them. Yeah, it's, it's fine. You save them from the spooky dinosaur. Everything's okay. Some stages don't have a boss. True. You just like move to the right far enough. And then some lady comes in and is like, Hey, I'm running by. <laughs> I just want to say the super Mwah. Nintendo version is like double the length of the arcade or triple or quadruple the length. I think the arcade version and the Genesis version is like 15 or 20 minutes. And we, we played, we played the hour long version instead. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. The thing is like, even though we're kind of like trashing it right now, the weirdest thing about this is like Joe and Mac is not a bad video game. It is not a bad video game at all. That's actually kind of the most frustrating thing, because it's not even bad in a way that you can, like, have fun with. You couldn't. Yeah, this wouldn't be on Kuso. It. No, no, absolutely not. It's not. It's not nearly bad enough for that. It's not. It's not interesting enough. enough. It's not. The name is the most interesting part of the whole game, that they're cavemen ninjas. The name that you don't even get in some regions and that I would never have known was attached to it at all if you hadn't said it. Yeah. Oh, oh, by the way, I did look it up and it was absolutely released for the Mega Drive in Brazil. <laughs> oh, the Master System. What? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait, maybe it was the Mega Drive, actually. Maybe it was actually the Genesis version. Hold on. Oh, maybe? Oh, and the Mega Drive. Yeah, no, it was, no, it was the Mega Drive, not the Master System. Wow, they got the, they got the, they got they the. They got the, they got the real one. Wow, nice. Yeah, because there's a, so there's an NES version of this game, which is a real, 
real treat to to see a playthrough. Oh, there man, was also I... someone in the comments being like, "God, this is the superior version. How can anyone play the other ones?" There <laughs> is. I just love. There that. is someone in a comment section right now talking about how Bubsy 3D is the like defining platformer of its of its generation. Unironically, so, like, not looking for a not looking like they're not, they're not doing it to 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 get a rise out of people. This is yeah, no, they really heart... believe that in their heart. So like. Someone said that this thing is true is not like, I don't care. I, I guess I still get a kick out of it. I know it's not, it's not, it's not like a, oh my God, that's amazing. It's more of like a, oh, there's, there is truly a lid for every pot. <laughs> yes, truly. Somebody is ecstatic that they own Joe and Mac on the NES, which I didn't know existed. I didn't realize it was. I mean, okay, it was in the U.S. and stuff. I always thought it was just a Super Nintendo game. I didn't know it was on arcades and. There's actually a lot of games that uh, that came out around that midpoint where it's like there's a there's a SNES version of the game and an NES version of the game, and yeah. I didn't know about the NES version for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what was like Altered Beast was on the. Uh, um, the master system. The master system, right? Yeah. I mean, my I didn't dude... know until like until it came out on the Switch Online service. Like, I I had I maybe knew that it existed, but like Wario's Woods. Oh was yeah, a yeah. Game that I knew exclusively as a as a SNES game. Mm -hmm. And I actually think the NES version of that is better, despite being you know obviously older and not as and not as graphically impressive. But like, it actually has more features. Weirdly. <laughs> i don't so i don't know if there is like i don't know if there's differences between that like so i i wonder almost you said that the um you said that the snes version is longer yes what could they even have added to it to um, make it like is it just more like is it just more of the same stages because so the it's stages do not vary up very much. I mean, they do the platformer thing. There's like a cave stage and there's your jungle-ish stage and then there's a couple lava stages and maybe a so, snow or ice stage. The Super NES version is a reworked game which features an overworld map used to choose the missing... Wait, no. Which is used to choose the levels, unlike in other versions where you just go like from one to the next. Right. And those stages are longer. There's bonus stages and uh -huh. there's... So we, it's it's weird because the SNES version had that, but then they removed the ability to charge up weapons, and I think we're missing a weapon or two. Mm. Um, the final boss is different, and I guess there's only two endings, so the other ones had more endings. But mind you, the ending variation, I looked what they are. So remember at the end of the game where the four girls are running at you, but then there's like one large girl running at you? No. Oh, well, they so in the beginning I of the game... I maybe didn't the, get that ending? No, you got it. It's, that's the one everyone got. You probably just turned it off when the credits started going. It I takes, may have done that, yes. So on the screen where it's like says sound composer right before that, if you hold down uh, B and X or B and Y and the two, and L and R, then mm -hmm. instead of it being four, three or four like of the skinny girls, you just get uh -huh. a bunch of bigger girls and Joe or Mac is running away scared. Okay. Um, and, you know, just, just some casual fat shaming. Yep. The, that's they did that in the beginning too when the nerdy Neanderthals are stealing the women in the arcade version. They they have no problem pulling out the other four, but then the last one, who's a bigger girl, you can see him huffing and puffing as he tries to yep get away with her as he drags her along the ground. Ha ha! It's funny. Thanks, nineties. It's funny because bodies are different shapes. <laughs> you get it? That's a it's a joke. But yeah, the 
I don't know, man. This was a universally. I what what other games have we done that have been this boring? Um, I would say probably a couple of the NES ones. Sure. Like, um, aside from the like, aside from like the story and some of the some of the um like peripheral stuff. I would say stuff like Vice Project Doom or Vice Project Doom it was kind of fun to play though in some parts and it had some neat animations like when you like the first and second stage of Vice Project Doom are are pretty cool the parts that sucker when you get to like that weird respawning vine crap and you're like what is this like it like yeah the little whip like the mm-hmm. laser whip I'm I'm just <laughs> don't get me wrong you, Vice Project listen, Doom listen you is already a, remember more about it than I do so that is, it is a generic game. Don't get me wrong, but it's less generic than this. I can't, I don't think there's a single thing. I'm just, I'm just looking through, and I'm played. like, I mean, Double Dragon was a little whatever. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Double Dragon's on the same tier of, at least Double Dragon has like a fun historical relevance in terms of like we got to talk about, we got to talk about uh, who owns the rights to what and how there's like different timelines and how they're kind of some. St- like really strange dude bros that are that get the girl because they beat each other up. I don't there's nothing interesting to talk about with Joe and Mac. I can't I I, I have nothing to Shadow say. Shadow of the Ninja was kind of whatever, but had great music. Did have good music. Um Oper- oh, you know, this is like operate this is kind of in that Operation Logic Bomb territory. Yeah, Operation Logic Bomb was really boring. That's true. This That's is a good this, one. Joe and Mac as a single player experience was a video game. Yeah. And it, and this raises an important thing that I, I like to talk about a lot, which is when people talk about, um, you know, oh, I don't like playing this single player, but it's fun if you get your it's fun if you play with a friend or you get some people together. So, like, I think that's valid. But I also think that when you're judging a video game on the merits of that video game, like if. I feel like that says a lot about the actual quality of the game itself. Yeah, you're you're having fun because you're playing with people that you enjoy being around. And if I, you were playing a better game, you probably would have more fun. Around the time that Destiny came out, I heard a lot of this where it's like, uh, the game's kind of whatever, but the game like the game is fun, but I really just like hanging out in a voice chat and going around doing stuff with my friends. And it's like, okay, so is the game fun or are you having fun hanging out with your friends and the game is not fun itself, but rather fun adjacent? Yeah, I think think it is a it is a it's like when I was playing WoW a lot, like at some point in my WoW career, I didn't care anymore about playing World of Warcraft, but I liked hanging out with people. So I was like, yeah, the game's good enough for where I'm 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 entertained pressing the buttons and watching. Yeah, it is. It is a container for like it is a container. It is a place that you go to have fun with your friends. I mean, it's like, it's like the going actual, to the... like the actual activity itself is not the source of the fun. It is just the receptacle that you put the fun in. Yeah, it's like for some people going to a bar. Or maybe they don't actually like going to that bar, but all of their friends go to that bar. So that's where they end up. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Right. It could be a million things like that. Right. So I, I feel like. This is a game where like, and I, I actively thought about it because I was halfway through it and I was like, this is really boring. And yeah, I actually I almost didn't finish it. I can imagine that playing with a friend would make it better, but 
I also, again, feel like that's not the game being better in that case. That is you getting to have a co-op experience and having fun because there is someone that you're playing with and having fun with. Because think about it this way. Would you want to play Joe and Mac co-op with a stranger? I mean, that's not a great example because I don't know if I'd want to play anything with a stranger. I mean... Because I like I don't even like playing when I play Dota 2 with strangers, like it's nine strangers. I have have almost all of them muted by default because I don't want to be bothered to playing with them. <laughs> OK, <laughs> maybe a stranger is a bad example, but like someone that you just met. No, not really. Like someone that you just met, like and we're talking like couch co-op. It's a friend of a friend. It's like a it's like a, you know, I guess. it's, it's a, OK. <laughs> To, to, to in, in truly pedantic terms here, let's pretend you're stuck at this person's house because you're waiting to meet your true friend to go to a movie and they have Switch online and you're like, God, sure. what are we going to do for 30 minutes? Sure, I could boot up Joe and Mac and it'd be fine. If they're like, hey, want to play a really dumb game and kill time? I'd be like, yeah, sure. We can use Joe and Mac to kill time together, stranger. <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's but but given the choice, you would. I don't want I don't think, to. No. You could be coerced into it in a bad situation. Like, it, it would probably be more fun to not play that or watch them play something else. Like, just play the first three minutes of Super Metroid. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I don't know. I think, so, it's Joe and Mac. I don't know why they're remaking Joe and Mac. I don't, I don't understand. I don't, I don't know what's happening. That's... All I wanted to address is the idea of like, oh, yeah, it's better if you play in co-op. And I'm like, I bet that's true, but that doesn't make the game better. No, I no. will give it this co-op platformer experiences were not terribly common. Right. That's in that's the where 90s. my exactly. That's where my fond memories come from was was being able to play a co-op game. You know, like Goof Troop is not an incredible game, but you can play a co-op with a friend and it's a nice little puzzle platformer situation. (laughs) So people remember that game fondly. Yeah. And I think that is that is the only real boon of Joe and Mac is that, hey, you can you can you can play this mediocre game with somebody else at the same time. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Hey. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Sound like you're going to say something. I felt like the air was coming. It was ready. I kind of was, but I kind of just stopped it. Yeah. But oh. I like I agree. I anything I actually, that I would say after that would be rehashing the things that I've said before. May, like, may I pivot? Co-op then. probably makes it more fun, but that doesn't mean it's a good game. Yeah, agreed. May May I pivot? Please. So, without talking about the game we're going to be talking about next week, I played another game that also came out on the same day as the game we're going to be playing next week oh, on Tuesday. Yeah? This is now a stupid sentence, but anyways, it's, it's called Infernax. I, since we have been doing this podcast, I saw someone on my Steam list actually start playing that game. How about, well, and I was go. like, okay, that's a thing. So I saw this game, I saw a trailer for this game, maybe the beginning of January, maybe it was December, I don't know. And I was like, oh, that looks kind of fun. It's sort of that, it's kind of, it it it, it toes the line of the uh, um, d- devolver humor, mm. where yeah. it's like, oh, is this... Is this too much? Oh, wait, no, it's still... T- okay, I think I don't think they mean it the way that this could be taken, right? Like, because it's it's like gore for the sake of gore's sake sometimes where, or like goofy violence and things. Um, but it's 
it's apparently a Kickstarter from 2015 that then has gone through some changes and some people got on board that weren't originally on board. And it's, I'm loving it. It's so much fun. It's, you have to, like I said, there's, there's, I don't know it. If you take the, the art and the graphics and everything at what it is, it's, it might be just like too much for some people. Cause it's <laughs> like stupid. It's like a dumb level of 2d pixelated gore. Sure. Um, but man, the gameplay itself, like the game itself, actually playing the game feels awesome. It's like a, a mix between Zelda 2 and Simon's Quest, which I've never played Simon's Quest. But um, it's and, not it's not very good. Yeah, that's that's what I've heard. One and Zelda, three are better. Zelda 2 is not that great, but the idea of it's awesome, right? Sure. Like the idea behind Zelda 2 is really neat. And this game, from what I've played, does a wonderful job of that. And, you know, I don't usually play games that are overly hard. Uh, yeah. And, it has to have it has to be a really great game to have me hooked and this is this game i'm enjoying a ton even though it has it's pretty punishing and sort of unfair but also really fair at the same time and uh, i know what you mean i i, I mean those I like those are those are features that i like you i think you punishing would like this and game? kind of unfair but ultimately kind of fair is so that's kind so what, of my aesthetic <laughs> what, what yeah i know well I, th- I when i saw this game i thought about you immediately but then i remembered you said you didn't like kind of things that are too I don't know what like yucky sort of right because like Carrie engrossed you out. Yes. Um. So I don't know if this game would be on that level of yuckiness. I haven't really seen it. it. I like it's one of those things where like there's no there's no hard and fast rules about it. I just right. It's got to it's got to feel it. it and judge it. Yeah, I know. I get that. And I I the gameplay you would definitely like and it has dumb stuff. So it has a bunch of accessibility options. Um. So you can start with classic or casual. I'm, I'm actually playing in classic mode, which I was surprised at myself for doing. Uh, but I like it. I, so far it's been good. Maybe I'll switch to, to casual later, but I really, I love the fact that a, they don't, they don't make fun of either mode. It's not like one's better than the other. It's literally just, here's what they're for. Like, here's what you get for bonuses. But then on top of that, they have further accessibility options where if you go into, Oh, I can't remember what it's called now, but basically it opens up. It's like, Hey, if you do this, uh, just so you know, there'll be, here's the codes that are going to be available for you. They're going to give you like unlimited lives and jumping and it will make the difficulty obviously not hard because you're invincible, but at the same time, that's for some people, right? Maybe you're going to like this and they sure. give you these codes. And then when you go to use them, it's the old NES game genie like interface. Like, do you remember oh, how it yeah, had like yeah, the, yeah. like with the, with the, like the, the big letters and some numbers and the huge, like the spinning uh, star as it like rotated around where you were putting in the yeah i know the i know the one it's they have that exact interface and you're putting it in a screen like that it's really fun um and they also have a konami code which i didn't use but i saw what it does and it makes you into a contra character <laughs> so you're playing like zelda 2 except you're just a contra dude bro with the bandana and a and a machine gun blowing these things away from across the screen which you're obviously not supposed to be able to right do. right 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 uh, so there's a whole lot of love and there's there's a choice system and there's, I guess, a couple different types of endings. The choices are fairly obvious and they're not not supposed like they're supposed to be obvious, right? There's a good and a right. bad option where you can, you know, it's like, hey, do you want to save the town or do you want? Well, some choices aren't as obvious because I think if by not doing something becomes a choice and yeah, other times yeah, it's yeah. like, hey, pick A or B. And right. it's pretty when it's A or B, it's fairly at least so far. It's like, hey, do you want to? take a bribe or do you want to kill the person trying to take give you a bribe right right because they're they're harassing a townsperson that kind of stuff but i guess that leads to different endings 
the okay so i think it's a game you would really like and i pulled it up on i pulled it up on steam and like yeah so the overly gory aesthetic is not really my aesthetic but it's you know it's helped by the fact that it's sort of like 16-bit pixel graphics for the most part but then it's got the cutscene things where it's like well that's yep. gross. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I the don't cut like are, that. The cutscenes are nasty. I, I for as well. So I was really torn between recommending you play it or not because of I know how you feel about that stuff. And after having played it, the actual gameplay feels super duper good. Like it is, it's unapologetically eight and sixteen bit kind of feel. But at the sure. same time, it's not commit jumps. You can you know do a little wiggle in the air. Um, so it, it, you ha- it feel the controls are super tight. Everything feels great. And it, I think unless this changes, if you're overly, you can be overly cautious. Like you can, you can exit the dungeon and save. And then, then if you die, it's not as big of a deal, right? Like maybe you get one wing of the dungeon done, then you save, or you get a key, then you go back out and save. Like, so you, you can play it safe if you want to. Uh, it's, it's, I don't know. I've only played it for like an hour and a half. But I'm I really have enjoyed my time with it to the point where the choices. So it seems like the choices are different enough where it would almost warrant a second playthrough. But just because I'm curious what interesting. Yeah. So so, for instance, um, one of the like, first it choices seem like it leads to like different stages or different. Uh... I think the world will be the same that you walk through. But I think what happens in it will be different. For instance, mm. there's a guy that's like, hey, help me. Uh, these there's these these people outside that are annoying me. Can you please get rid of them? If you go talk to them before before you talk to him, they're saying how oh I'm gonna give you this super strong spell if you go kill the librarian of like the main town kind of a thing. Or oh God, I wish I could get access to the church vault kind of stuff. Right. 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 So right. I don't know. I don't think it changes the world, but I do think it's going to have a fairly significant change of uh, of your experience in the world in terms yeah, of who you're interacting yeah. with. And how the story plays out, because ultimately, I I know because they mentioned there's the Necronomicon in this, which is I think I think they're trying to play up because it looks like the thing from Evil Dead, right? Like I think they're trying to make this joke about the 80s and the 90s and the games and sure, the, the sure, media sure. and all that stuff. Um, the uh, I I imagine there's going to be a goofy outcome where you become like the bad guy, or you become so bad that you have to fight the bad guy because the bad guy doesn't. I don't know. I I can I'm actually right. Like the the bad guy is like yo. Wait, no, that's too far. <laughs> yeah, that's. I hope they go something stupid like that. Um, I I know there's different. I know there's different endings based on achievements because I was curious. Even though I'm not playing it on PS4, I was just kind of. I was a little curious what the. So sometimes I like if I'm if I'm wondering how a game feels, I'll sometimes check out an achievement board because those people usually pick apart a game for the reasons that I would be interested in maybe not playing it. It's like, oh, this is not an easy game to get all the trophies in so right. i was like oh what are they saying about that they didn't have anything interesting to say about this that at all but i did see that there's like a a pure like ultra good there's like an ultra bad there's like a you were good but then you decided to be bad like there's there's multiple maybe they're maybe they lead to the similar endings i don't know but i'm having a lot of fun and uh, i i wholly recommend it it's it's i was i was surprised at myself for enjoying it because usually I just don't I don't like games where it has such a punishing uh, death system, but it's not really that punishing. It's also fair and it feels good to play. And and I had that I haven't had this in a long time because I usually stare like steer away from these types of experiences. Where in the second dungeon I was fighting the boss, 
and I had one pip of life left and I was like, man, I don't want to die. And I was like, oh wait, okay. I know the pattern. Why don't I just play safe and play like calm? And I beat the boss on the one like hit of life. And it's like, man, that felt so good. I yeah, haven't had that feeling in such good. a long time. And so it kind of That's cool. It reawakened that, man, it feels good to 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 achieve the 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 kill in the face of it seemingly impossible at first. And it's like, oh no, the pattern's actually really simple. Yeah, once yeah. Once yeah. I stop being nervous about it. <laughs> Ro- like I, I will always remember playing uh, Rocket Knight Adventures. Uh, and this is like one of the reasons why a lot of the times I will try to do the whole like, no, I'm gonna play it legit, and I'm just gonna let myself die, and we'll yeah, you know, and go back we'll go to through it, the and keep going a little bit. Um, so I played Rocket Knight Adventures like four years ago. Mm-hmm. on stream and that game is super super punishing and tough like it is a game that has a like permanent start over from the beginning game over system Dang. and on normal difficulty you get one life or technically two lives because you start at one but zero counts and one continue and you can get more as the game goes on but, like, if you don't know what you're doing, you lose those lives real fast. Yeah. So oh, I, I watched you play that on a randomizer. through and was like, that's right. Like, literally game overing on stage one at first <laughs> and spent like a while playing that game and finally, like, got it down to a point where I was. And, you know, it's, it's that feeling of like you get to like stage five or six and you've been playing for like an hour. And mm-hmm. then there's one boss that you have no idea how to deal with. And you're scared. Like you're, you have that sense of a little yep. dread. And you're like, like, I don't want to, I don't want to have to do this again. <laughs> I don't want to have to do this again, but you still kind of have to lab it and, and like try to figure out what it is that, 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 that boss is doing and just kind of like try to figure out a pattern and read a pattern and, and then just go. And and you're and I game overed in it a bunch of times and had to play through all the previous stages again <laughs> and get better and better at them as I went through. And nor like that is a situation where like to do that with every game that we play on this podcast would be impossible. There's just not enough time for us to do that when we're putting out a podcast every week. Yeah, unless that's all you wanted to play that week exclusively. Sometimes even still a week may not actually be enough. There's- yeah, there's a few of these games that, well, I would never. This is not one years. of them. Joe and Mac is not one of them. But oh, no. like, oh no, Joe and Mac. No, we're never talking about Joe and Mac again. Yeah, we're already <laughs> done with it. <laughs> we're, in, we're in the we're in the game analysis portion of the podcast. It's like, no, I'd rather talk about almost anything else. <laughs> I mean, there's really not much like you could boot up Joe and Mac and play it for about five minutes and pretty much know what the game is, except for the ending where you fight the devil for no reason. Yeah. It, like, he doesn't even look like the devil. He just looks like a little demon. He's like a cartoon devil from Cuphead. Like that era, yeah. that style of, that style not, of. No, not even like, not even that grandiose because he's kind of small, right? No, no. I just mean that that's kind of the feeling that I got was that sort of cartoony devil. Little it reminds imp, me of like the an... little demon pixies from, uh, from Super Ghouls and Ghosts. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, it's like a blown up version of that. Yes. But not that blown up because he's no. still just like regular human sized. And it's stupid. Yeah. It's a dumb boss fight. It but, is. But yeah, it's... so so the the moral of the story is, is that feeling of triumphing over a game that was difficult at first and then be like, I beat it. That felt awesome. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. And I, I gotta say, I am, I am really happy. I, I, th- so the, the, what, what sealed the purchase for me with Infernex was the, the fact that there is like the easy mode. If I want to fall back on it, there's literally the Konami code, like the, the, the thing that turns it into a game that it shouldn't be, but it doesn't yeah. punish you at all. Like it lets you play through the game completely with the Konami code. It doesn't alter the story. It doesn't do something that a lot of old games did, which actually I'll talk about next week, where if you play on easy, you sure. get to a certain point and they're like, ha ha ha, just kidding. Right, right, right. Um, You don't get to see the full game until you man up or whatever, right? So I, I really love that style of design where they're like, hey, we don't care. Enjoy our game how you want. We're going to give you all the tools to enjoy it in a bunch of different ways. If it's just from classic mode to casual mode to literally cheating, whatever yeah. you want to do is cool. I really appreciate that. And as someone who really, really enjoys difficult games and enjoys the process of like getting better at them. Yeah. You want to get over it. (laughs) I like, I I really like that sort of like cyclical process of like doing a little bit better each time. Like I Mm -hmm. get a lot out of that. However, um, I no longer get any joy out of like, for lack of a better term, like difficulty based judgment. Mm, yes yeah like i think it was vector man which also uh also deserves to go into the pantheon of like games that aren't bad but are just really boring (laughs) i'll give vector man one thing and that it tried real hard to have some mega mega genesis (laughs) toed yeah including like i think that was one of the games or maybe it's earthworm gym it was one of the games where like the difficulty is like the difficulty settings are like specifically dork. antagonistic yeah and they don't you don't you're not entirely sure which is the best one yeah because <laughs> there's one where it's like wimpy and then it's like and oh. it's like boring and then it's like and then you know wimpy and boring and then you know extreme or <laughs> and then hyper remember. or something i don't like remember that. what the settings are but like what i'm saying is that aesthetic in general of like you have to play on the hard setting or if you else see the you're real not game. valid or you're yeah. not you're like you're not playing the real game the you know the whole sekiro easy mode rant of like you didn't grow you didn't improve oh geez you yeah. learned nothing you gained it i hate it i hate like I... I like playing the game on the hard <laughs> difficulty i do but let people play the game that they want to play the way they want to play it. And well, here, when a developer makes a game and allows you to just have that game be whatever you want it to be and have fun with it in the way that's fun for you. And they support that and don't shame it. <laughs> I'm good with that. I like it. I think I it, it's actually a, I bought the game because they were available in case I didn't, in case I felt like, not playing it hard. I, I I keep wanting to say a derogatory term for turning it to easy because it's just so ingrained in yeah, no, I know. me from playing. And then I keep catching myself and be like, no, I'm just, that's not what I'm doing. So it's, uh, I, I bought it because they were available, but I also played on hard or the normal difficulty because I know it's there as like a little safety net. If I'm like, yeah, I don't, sure. I don't feel like trying anymore. <laughs> like, no, I feel, yeah. I, totally I just want to see that. the end now, but I'm having fun at the moment. Just, just toughing it out and, and like, you know, I got to the boss and I died and I didn't like I wasn't upset. I was OK with it because the game is seriously fun to play. I, I 
Yeah. <laughs> I wish I know I know you're playing Astalon tonight, but yes. man, I want you to play this so bad. <laughs> I mean, we'll we'll stick it on the list somewhere. Because <laughs> yeah, it and is whenever my time is my own again, maybe I will uh maybe we'll throw it up. I, I cannot rec it's been a while since I felt like I've played a game that I really want to recommend to people, and this is one of those games, and it has a really fun did you uh, happen to read the mature content description on the uh, store page? I didn't. So that was where I, I it almost lost me because it felt like it was the you know how I was saying sometimes I don't like the devolver humor because it's kind of that dumb. It's it's a little tr it's trying a little too hard. But but then the game <laughs> I read that description and you you're gonna read it in a minute I know and I saw some of the art and I was kind of like man I don't know if I want this maybe it's just gonna be a, like not what I want but then I saw the game genie select screen I was like I'm buying this this is too there's too much love that like would be the thing that sells you it did it totally the sold nostalgia me nostalgia of a yep. cheat device from the 90s and you're and like even... oh man I gotta play this game now <laughs> it even has like the like the the genie coming out of the you know the the icon it's all it's it's it really i was already on the fence but that just pushed it over but yeah go ahead and read the 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 disclaimer that's really for the funny game. to me <laughs> yeah it, was, it made me laugh at myself <laughs> yeah so like the the mature content description is in all capital letters and it just says this game contains mature themes that may not be suitable for everyone ranging from saucy language acts of violence in the name of justice, <laughs> copious amounts of gore, and half-clothed demon people of varying degrees of attractiveness. <laughs> By installing this game, you hereby agree that you are cool with this. Cool? Cool. <laughs> it's it's like, so, on the surface, I wasn't sure if that was going to be a trying-to-hard dumb thing, but after having played the game, I'm actually okay with it. It's It's weird how the game itself has made me feel better it, about their dumb marketing it's, it's well a, it's you an understand the aesthetic that they're going for better whereas yes. like when you're reading that in a vacuum you're like all right yeah i don't <laughs> really know how i feel about that yet <laughs> but now that you're actually in on it and you know what they're going for it just like it feels better to you and while it's a completely different vibe than the end credits of a game that we'll talk about next week which oh my god that music the yep. the, the tunes for for uh the tunes for we can the, just this talk about it. We played River City Girls Zero, aka Shinniketsu Koha Kuniotachi no Banka, <laughs> which technically came out like two days ago, but actually no, no, came no. out in 1994. Okay, I was gonna say I believe is it where? Hmm, how would you do the technically there? Didn't did it? Te I I realize I've, I've I'm on a pandantic bus today, but where where does the technically lie? Did it technically come out 20 years ago? Yeah, it, it came out... Not two days ago. 28 though. years ago. 28, really? In 1994. Oh, it was yeah. 2022. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 28 years ago. I mean, that game is... Yeah, no, it absolutely... It is 100% a Super Famicom game. It came out 28 years ago and was localized and released in the West for the first time this week. With the, the illest credits music i've ever heard <laughs> absolutely these these credits musics that you're not going to hear today are are you may so not good. hear it next week because Wait, it no. is brand new music no. that is oh right can you put that it on may there? or may we're, we're putting these uh, we're putting these podcasts on spotify yeah can where you do this that? music is also available so what i might do is just put a link in the description to the music because i'm not oh, sure we can sucks. just drop it into the podcast as much as I'd like to, cause like, goddamn. Can you? What if you do like fifteen seconds of it? 
Do you think that's allowed? <laughs> I don't know. Because all I really need is actually the part that's it's a little, little softer, like the 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 hook or whatever. I don't know, like the core. I don't know. The, what, I, I don't know what it's called. The I don't, chorus, probably. The chorus. Yeah. I, I want to say, I was just going to say, dang it. I was just going to say, don't put any Joan Mack music. Who cares? Just put this song. We can have it twice. <laughs> I <laughs> because... mean, I listened to it like three times at the end of the stream. On stream. On stream. <laughs> you, you, we, we, ha, when was the last time everyone listening out there, feel free to write in. We'd love to hear, uh, hear your comments and thoughts at um, the retro breakdown at gmail.com. When was the last the time? retro breakdown at gmail.com. Yeah, thank you. Uh, when was the last time you listened or you watched the credits to a video game to hear the music more than once? In fact, it was like three or four different times. And I had just beaten the game earlier that day, watched them twice, and then I watched them every single time you did just to hear the music again. And, and the, the, the animation is really pretty. It is. It is, even though it's just like, like, it's it looks a, great, it's a still but image. It's, just a, it's just a cycle. <laughs> it's basically just a still image, but I don't care. That's what, so when I was asking if it was Arc System Works, I was wondering if they did that art, but apparently not. That They were just the... I mean, they the, may have been involved, because like, again, they own the rights to all those old Technos Japan properties. The Kunio Kun God. games, and the thank, Devil Dragon stuff, and... You know, <laughs> they don't own the rights to Joe and Mac. They sure don't. <laughs> I would I would plan I don't actually just... know who owns Data East stuff anymore cuz Data well, East is not in existence anymore but well, there's a whole and, bunch and, of stuff under their umbrella. And Joe and Mac was going to be an exclusive to in television and I think some company called Golem Entertainment or whatever is going to be making the re-release. I don't have a clue. It doesn't matter. Plan plan for an X, play River City Girls Zero, play uh what are you playing tonight? Aslan. That that's a great game too. Yes, I am very excited to get back into this. Just, you know, play Joan Mac if you have to, because you're trapped in a setting where you have you have to kill 30 minutes to an hour of time with somebody else, not by yourself. If you're by yourself, literally play something else, anything else. You have the Switch in front of you anyways. Yeah, if if you're playing Joe and Mac on <laughs> Switch Online, you necessarily have a choice between, like, at least 50 other games. Like, you don't even have to own the 64 and Genesis collection. No. Just just the NES and Super NES. Play anything else. Actually, anything else. Play, play the horrible wrestling game, even. Yeah, I, least... I think there are worse games, but the worst games are actually more interesting, so still play those. Yeah, that's, that's my... Uh... That's it. I'm done with Joe and Mac. <laughs> I'm done with this podcast. I hope you all have a lovely week, and I cannot wait to talk to you about River City Girl Zero. I am also excited about this. Look forward to that next week. That's the that's the most official ending we've ever done. <laughs> and now that you've said that, I'm tempted to like just keep that part in so that it's busted. <laughs> yeah.